So even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created I have a dream, sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream, my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day down in Alabama with its vicious racist, with its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification, one day right there in Alabama little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. Don't you thank God for his spirit moving here at the Bridge Church? That all these different races could come together and humble, bow before Jesus to grow together. It, it blesses me. I'm, I'm sure you're blessed too because it is such a dream coming true. Dr. King also said that it is appalling that the most segregated hour of Christian America is 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. And although that reality is still true today in our nation and in our world, it's not been a reality for our church by the grace of God. And I thank God for trusting us with this gift and sign to this neighborhood that he's called us to to Los Angeles, to Pasadena, our world. And, and I ask, and I want you to ask with me that he would continue to grace us to know how to steward, how to handle this gift and awesome responsibility. Can I get an amen right there from somebody in the chat room, somebody at home, amen, amen. Now we will take a moment and pray some more, but I wanna go ahead now and share the message title we will use for today in our series we're calling Jesus Goals 2021 out of Philippians 3, 1 through 4, 1. So in the chat room, if you can help me out, go ahead and put it in there as the message title, Stay in Love. Stay in Love. You can feel free to write it in all caps. Stay in love. If you're home sitting beside somebody, Elbow them. Stay in love. Come on, Frenchels. Elbow one another. Stay 
in love. Now, we've been in Philippians 3, 1, 4, 1 since the start of 2021. And we are going to pick up today in two verses, verse 1 and verse 2, but mainly verse 1. And we're going to expose our hearts to these pair of verses and say, Holy Spirit, just have your way. So let's read it together and let's read it aloud. I'm going to read it from the NASB this morning. Finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble for me, and it is a safeguard for you. Beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the false circumcision. We'll pack, unpack more of that next week. But with that said, let's pray together. Holy Spirit, thank you for leading us and guiding us into all truth according to the word. Unclog the ears of our heart. Remove scales from our eyes. We want to hear you, know you, and experience, experience Jesus like never before. We depend on your help, and we know you're good for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So just uh, some quick context here. Here we have Paul writing from prison to the church in Philippi. And you know what? It strikes me. If you missed last week, we have that in the description box for you as well as a reference. We gave a lot more context. But we know of three times that Paul was in prison, and it could have been more than that. But in the scripture, we get three recorded instances before he's martyred in death. And when Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, he's not writing to a building. He's not writing to some hobby club. He's writing to, listen to these words, his joy, his crown. He's talking about the church. His joy and crown in the gospel. He's writing to people that he's poured out his life into that Christ would be developed in their life. He's writing to his spiritual children, his spiritual family in the Lord Jesus. Now, I say that because when some people hear the word church, they are not hearing it that way, the way the Bible addresses it. They might be thinking about uh, a building or, uh, you know, just different images. And I wanted to capture a little closer to what the scripture is saying when the scripture describes the church, the called out ones. Now, some of you remember this, but this church at Philippi came about in part because Paul was doing the Paul thing, the oh snap, it's Jesus, if you catch that reference. He was basically going to prayer and over the course of going back and forth to prayer with others who were following Christ, he got himself in a little situation. He got himself in a little situation. He got imprisoned back in Acts 16 because uh, basically his freedom of speech came under attack. Yeah, I just did that. His freedom of speech came under attack when he cast a Pythian or a demonic spirit out of a slave girl who was a fortune teller who made high profits from her owners. So when Paul cast out the demon spirit, the slave owners uh, of the girl... Uh, it messed with their uh, it messed with their wallet. They messed with their, it messed with their wallet, and because of that, they had Paul in prison. They had Paul thrown in jail. He cast the demon spirit out of the girl. She gets free. Paul goes into jail. So then Paul and Silas are in prison, and they are in jail. And about midnight, they start rejoicing. Y'all, they start praying. They start singing hymns. 
to God and the prisoners overhear them. And all of a sudden a mighty earthquake comes and all the prisoners chains fall off and prison doors flew open. The foundations of the prison were shaken. So during all that time, Paul and Silas were in that region when they were jailed there. They were ministering the gospel and they were going to temple. They were doing the things that you do as Jesus followers. And the Philippian church was being grown through that time. That's a little context. So Paul tells his spiritual family. He exhorts them. He offers this command. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. And if you're familiar with this particular letter to the church at Philippi, you know this rejoice, this joy thing shows up, you know, at least nine times. And finally, again, I say to you, rejoice. I mean, he is emphatic about this and you can feel the care and and, and passion and conviction in, in Paul's letter. But in that statement, it reminded me of a parent or a coach, but really like a parent who is going to be saying or sending their kid off to college. You know, you're, you're dropping your kid off at college and it's some distance away from the house and you are saying, okay, yeah, we still have this relationship, but things are going to be totally different. And I want to leave you with this one key um, point, this one key instruction. And yeah, you're going to make new friends and you're going to learn more about yourself. But remember this. And yeah, you're going to take these different classes and you're going to see the world through some different lenses. But remember this and that that strong, that strong plea and urging is what we see and for Paul in this moment, it's rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Now, the scripture commands us to rejoice in the Lord because, at least one reason, because we won't want to. But it'll be best for us. Our feelings and circumstances might work against us in rejoicing in the Lord. And Paul is being clear. He's being emphatic to remind this body of believers, his spiritual family, these folks he's poured his life into, hey, over and over again, rejoice in the Lord. Now, you're most likely familiar with the word rejoice uh, from Christmas hymns or Christmas carols. It's not a word I know for me that really shows up in my everyday conversation. It's been showing up more recently because we've been using it as a prayer point in our uh 21-day morning devotional phone calls. And when you join tomorrow, you'll be able to hear more about that and get more context. But we probably use other words like celebrate or enjoy or praise. Uh, so let's go on and get a definition together of the word rejoice. An online dictionary defines rejoice as to feel or show great joy or delight. Now, we know Holy Spirit is consistent throughout the Bible's inspiration. Pastor, what do you mean by that? I'm telling you that because God inspired his word by Holy Spirit from Genesis to Revelation, the thing is consistent in its in its messaging. It's how we use the word to weigh things, to as a, as a plumb line, to make decisions, to discern, 
if something is coming from the Lord or not. You hear something funky, it doesn't line up with the scripture, you know, kick that out. Kick that out. But throughout the scripture, because it has the same author, the same author being God's very spirit, there's a continuity. Now, the language is slightly different because the times are slightly different, but it's the same core message that's being communicated. We hear Paul say, rejoice in the Lord. But we also heard Jesus say in Matthew 5.12, Jesus said, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. If we go to the Psalms, what are we hearing? Praise. Praise God for this. Praise God for that. Praise God for this. Praise is coming. So it, it doesn't matter which one of those words we're using. It's the same core truth being communicated. Thank God for that, right? Because we're different and sometimes a different word will open up different things for us in our understanding that allow us to enter into the type of understanding that leads to application, that leads to growth for us and then something that we can share with somebody else. So let me get back to this. God is saying to them and God is saying to us, life, life is going to throw you some curveballs and some disappointments and some discouragements. And if you're not careful, you'll be tempted. You'll want to go numb. You'll want to go numb. Some of us know. I know what that's like. You, you, have you ever been there? You just reach and say, the, the pain is so great. I don't even want to feel good right now. I just want to be numb. I don't want to feel anything. And so in part, one of the reasons why we get this exhortation, this command is to, hey, don't do that. Don't go that direction. Don't go to the numb place. Go to the place that God has given us the grace to go. Don't you love that, our God? He gives, he says, I command you. And I give you the grace. I don't ever command you to do something. I don't give you the strength to walk out. He says, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. Numbing is opposite to rejoicing. Numbing is opposite to rejoicing. Now, I'm sure you can hear the word embedded in there of joy when we say rejoicing. Rejoicing, joy. Re means to do again. And so rejoicing carries with it the idea of, of, of sharing. Joy is a, is a relational kind of, kind of word, you know. It's, it's, it's with repeating joy or repeating joys and, and, and sharing. It's like this kind of doubling that happens. So when I'm speaking of joy, sometimes you'll hear me say the word rejoicing or you'll hear me say sharing joy, sharing joy, but I think you'll get the picture. Now, all that to say, all that to say about this title, about this message, stay in love, because my heart was touched with the Lord's heart in those two verses, namely verse one. The Lord gives us a key. He gives us a key to staying in love with God and others, and it's through sharing joy. Rejoicing, rejoicing. Sharing joy strengthens any and all relationships. We know that. Sharing joy strengthens relationships. If you're in a weak relationship right now, check the joy. Check how you're sharing joy. Check how you're celebrating. 
That's one reason why we celebrate important milestones. We want to strengthen the relationship. We want a relationship that's built to last. It's one reason why we share good news with one another, not just the big things, but the everyday things, the, 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 the normal things, the, the smaller things. We share joy and what happens? It grows, it compounds, it becomes bigger and more meaningful. It becomes richer when we share joy. It's no wonder that the, the psalmist said, oh, come, let us magnify the Lord and let's exalt his name. How? Together, together. Let's exalt his name together. Come on, some of you right now, you're moving with me just like this right now. You're in the flow like I'm in the flow. You, you're moving like this right now because you're, you're, you're exalting God with me. <laughs> in essence, it's like the psalmist is saying, come on, I got the joy of Jesus. You got the joy of Jesus. Let's put these joys together and set this thing off for the glory of God. Let's magnify the Lord. Yeah, let's do that. Now, rejoicing in the Lord is in large part what it means to have biblical fellowship. Notice uh, Paul said it like this, rejoice in the Lord. He didn't just say rejoice. Now, if he had just said that, the implication would be in the Lord, but he was. this is explicit, rejoice in the Lord. Not re just rejoicing outside of the Lord. Pastor, what point are you trying to make? I'm telling you that biblical fellowship at its core says Jesus is the center. It's biblical fellowship when Jesus is the center, where Jesus is the joy that we are celebrating. Praise God. Praise God. Biblical fellowship is not just uh, socializing with people who attend the same church or same service as you. Not that it excludes that, but the essence of it is the type of relating, the type of doing life together where Jesus is the center. <laughs> oh, praise God. I'm getting excited talking about Jesus being the center. <laughs> Biblical fellowship is that we have Jesus in common and we have friendship with him, by him, and for him. Jesus shows up in our conversations. We pray together. We rejoice together. We serve each other and we serve others together in his name. We encourage one another. We worship together. Now, that's a very small snapshot of what biblical fellowship is, but I still thought it was, it was worth mentioning. Paul tells them to rejoice in the Lord so that they will stay in the love of God when they are intimidated to go into a place of fear. Regardless of what is going on in their life, regardless of his imprisonment, regardless of the Judaizers and other false teachers seeking to destroy their growth in the gospel of Jesus Christ, regardless of Rome's persecution of the church, rejoice in the Lord and stay in the love of God. And we know why Paul is telling them this. We know why. It's, it's, it's not that they don't know to rejoice in the Lord. It's not that they haven't seen him model it. Come on, Acts 16, what we referenced earlier. They watched Paul go through that. 
It's not that they hadn't been trained by Paul to rejoice because we saw uh, in, in the verses that we read, he said, hey, it's not a problem. It doesn't bother me. It's not getting on my nerves to remind you. It's not troublesome for me because it's a safeguard to you. So they had been in training. He'd already taught them, taught them this. So we know it's not that. The real issue is that Paul knows that if they don't do more of it, their connection with God and with one another in Jesus won't be strong enough to sustain them in continuing to carry the gospel in the context that they're in for the situations that they're facing. Paul knows that their maturity is on the line. It's about to be tested. Paul understands that the growth metric, that joy is a growth metric. Excuse me. If they don't rejoice, despite their feelings and circumstances, they won't enter into the fullness of what God has for them, which puts the church at great danger. A joyless church is dead far before her doors ever close. Want to know if you're maturing in your faith in God? Check the frequency of your rejoicing. Check the frequency of your rejoicing in the Lord and with his people. That'll tell you what's up for sure. Joy is a telltale sign of a growing Jesus follower. And many times it's not that we don't rejoice. It's, it's, it's not that. It's that we do too little of it for joy to be cultivated. When we're tempted to throw tantrums and pity parties, sulk and despair, may the Lord remind us of his word that we have to stay in love. And what's really uh, at stake if we don't? May he remind us to cultivate his joy through the skill, the practice of rejoicing in him. Rejoicing in him alone and rejoicing in him with with others. Let me share something. Just recently, me and I were driving in the car on our way to another prenatal doctor's appointment for the baby. Now, at this point, we were over a week past the due date that the doctor had given us and with all the complications we had experienced with the last pregnancy that God miraculously delivered us from. Hello, baby Landrick along with the discomfort of carrying a small watermelon in her belly, Mia was over it. She was ready to deliver. And she was also battling thoughts that something might be wrong with the baby and understandably so for a few reasons. She was tired. And y'all know how it is when you get tired. You know how your thinking gets. Also, hope deferred, what, makes the heart sick? The doctor wanted to do a C-section and had scheduled it, but we didn't get the sense from the Lord to do the C-section. We actually pushed the C-section back three times. Our very prayerful consideration was to wait for the baby to come on her own without cutting the baby out on this one, since there was no threatening thing happening with the baby like there was with our last one. Our awesome doctor was not feeling what we were feeling. He did not agree. So every conversation with him up to that point was difficult because he was giving the best medical advice he could based on Mia's previous C-section with Landrick and other factors. 
So there were pretty intimidating circumstances. Nowhere near as intimidating as the last pregnancy, as you all know, but still intimidating nonetheless. And as we were driving on our way to that appointment to check in with the doctor, I could see Mia was needing some help. So I asked the Lord for an encouragement for my wife. You know, I'm quite the hero. And you know what he gave me? He gave me this. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. That's out of Psalm 34, 1. So as soon as that hit my spirit, I gave her that word. I said, this is what the Lord has given me. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. So then, you know what we started doing? At that very moment, as we were driving to the doctor's office, weary, anxious, we started blessing the Lord. Tears of gratitude streaming down our faces, voices lifted with thanksgiving and praise for what was going right. That rejoicing in the Lord caused something to break over us. There was an emotional and psychological weapon trying to form over us and rejoicing broke it so that we could stay in God's love and not get into a spirit of fear. And in a matter of seconds, we had that unity with God, that sense of being submitted to him. And you know what the scripture says about submitting to God. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. And we had breakthrough. That weapon was destroyed. We wouldn't deliver for another week, but that time of rejoicing specifically released strength to endure longer because we still had to wait. But here she is now. Here she is now. Take a, take a look. There she is, Lace Eden Marie Lamar. One week old today, one week old today. No C-section, great delivery. Baby girl and baby mama are doing great. And we are five kiddos deep. So thank you for your prayers. Thank you, Jesus. But know this family, we will give up many things following Jesus, but joy is not one of them. Joy is not one of them. I want to say it again. We will give up many things following Jesus, but joy is not one of them. So if somebody lied to you, or if you thought it's either Jesus or joy, if you have thought about it like this, you got to get rid of that. You got to get rid of that thought. That's not, that's not true. That's not an accurate representation of the heart of God at all. Correct that thing. Correct that thing. We're in this together. Jesus is the center of joy. Jesus is the one who gives pleasures forevermore. And what he gives, what he gives, we have no sorrows or regrets about. Pastor Maddie had introduced me to uh, this chorus a while back, and the Lord brought it to mind as I was praying through this message for us. There's a link in the description box below, but my version of the chorus goes like this. You give me joy down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul. You give me joy. Down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul. Hmm. And that, that joy where Jesus is so in our soul, 
And it is him who is fueling us, that his joy is literally our strength. That is our inheritance. That is our birthright. That is what God has available for us. But he tells us how to cultivate. He says rejoice. He says rejoice. And that type of experience of knowing the joy of the Lord is our strength will be ours. It will be ours to the glory of the Lord. To the glory of the Lord. Now, we have missions and goals, priorities, objectives. We aim to accomplish this year, this 2021. But if we're listening right this moment, if we're listening right, if we're listening right this moment, we're going to check our joy level and move forward accordingly. We may need to tweak some things. Rejoicing in the Lord releases such strength in our life. It is an actual life in God skill for our day, for our day living. It is wise to rejoice in the Lord. It is wise to be good at rejoicing in the Lord. We need that strength. Before I share a strengthening tool of declaration with you, I have a reflection question. What does rejoicing in the Lord look like on you, in your life, real time? We know what it looks like in Paul's life and what it sounded like. Many of you know what it looks like in my life. But what about yours? When's the last time you rejoice in the Lord alone or with others? What stirred the rejoicing? What caused the rejoicing? What happened? Take a moment and reflect on that, and then I'll continue. Now, let me share a declaration with you to repeat and use this week as we cultivate joy, rejoicing in the Lord. I know like many of you do that as you cultivate joy, you'll have strength that this world knows nothing about. Supernatural Holy Spirit strength for sorrow, sickness, and sad times. Strength to be a greater blessing. Uh, the old school would say, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. The world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away. Listen to these four scriptures on the goodness of God. Out of Psalm 23, 6. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Out of Psalm 65, 11, You crown the year with your goodness, and your paths drip with abundance. Psalm 107, verse 8 and 9. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Psalm 145, verse 9. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. This is such an important declaration of truth that will strengthen your spirit as the Lord tells us to do and reminds us in Proverbs 18, 14. 
that I want to invite it into your consideration and your practice this week. By yourself, with your buddies, with your loved ones, family, friends, whoever. For the church to do greater exploits, for Bridge Church to go to that next level, to move forward in this green light invitation, I believe the Lord has given our church and his kingdom. We're going to have to cultivate joy through rejoicing in the Lord. We're going to take it up a notch and live at that new level, and we're going to get to do it together. The idea is that we get what we look at. We get what we look at. Jesus is our joy and cause for rejoicing as much as we let him be our focus. I want to say it again. Jesus is our joy and cause for rejoicing as much as we let him be our focus. Our focus. Our words can direct our focus. So I want us to use this declaration, these words this week to cultivate the strength and joy of God with God in the power of Holy Spirit. Repeat after me. God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. Say it again. God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. I think we can do another one. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Will you take that declaration into your week of worship with God, rejoicing in Him and sharing your joy with others? That tool of declaration will help you in your everyday life. Our minds need constant renewing. It will make a difference in how you lead yourself, in how you lead your relationships, how you lead at work, and how you show up from day to day. It will help you dismantle lies. It will challenge you for sure. It will help you take whatever situation you're in, as Paul did, and leverage it for the glory of God and the well-being of others. Now, I don't know what dogs evil workers, and false circumcision folks you're facing this season. But I do know that God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. I don't know what troubles you're having in your relationships, but I do know that God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. I don't know how you're feeling as you think about your future, or the future of your family, or your career. But I do know that God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Romans 5, 3 through 5 says in the ESV, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. With that, let's pray. Thank you for the love you have poured into our hearts, Lord. Help us to stay 
in your love. Help us to invest in our relationship with you and others this week in a way that makes us bridges and not dividers. Affirm your word working in our lives as we work your word, obeying you. Bless people through our joyful obedience to you. Help us to not be distracted, but when we are, draw us back to you. Help us to stay rooted in the truth, rejoicing in the truth of the goodness of our God. As others are doubting the goodness of God, doubting our nation and our world, doubting the goodwill of humanity, let us do the opposite and trust in your goodness all the more. Help us be an encouragement for the goodness of God in the lives of others. Restore the joy of our salvation, Lord, where we are tired and weary. Restore us. Fill us with your goodness according to your word. Where we are hopeless and cynical, fill us with your goodness. Where we are fragile and hurting, fill us with your goodness for your goodness sake. Lord, Paul believed in your goodness. May it be like that for us as we know you better. Let us see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living in greater measure as we rejoice in you this 2021. God is good all the time and all the time God is good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. amen. Remember, fam, Bridge Kids today at 1130. And just one last thing, if you would just shoot us a quick video response answering the reflection question, what does rejoicing in the Lord look like real time in your life? We'd appreciate it. Email us at info at PasadenaBridge.org. And with that, enjoy Jesus and excel in love. God bless you.